0: Sit
1: down if you want to. Right in the middle of what's going on.
0: I'm in the middle of an interrogation.
1: Take a seat, young Skywalker. the middle children
0: of history, man. The middle of the day, Alfred? Please, take a seat there. Right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Stop the middle of the basic! Meeting in the middle. Fight, like. They fought for the freedom of middle. The middle of the middle of a middle. The middle of a war! war. It's, 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 it's friggin' ridiculous!
1: Why don't we have a seat to talk about? No! Not the middle seat.
0: Do you feel that lurking beneath you as you sit in the shower, or in the pool, or in the ocean? It's another episode of the Middle Seats Podcast here. Welcome to the best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. I'm your captain tonight, Andrew Ogier. It's time to meet my crew. I'm joined by my Ishmael, the main character in every story of mine, Mr. Nate Lungarini.
1: How's it going everybody? I hope we are in ship shape for what's gonna be a great episode of The
0: Middle Seats. I hope so too, I hope so too. And then we're joined by Moby Dickhead himself, Mr. Jake Hensler.
2: Nice!
0: That was not bad. That was was a good one. (laughs) I'm not even
2: gonna be mad at you for that, that was a good one. I was Um, thinking,
0: I had to get like the whale motif in, (laughs) even though this movie that we're talking about today is about a shark. But I went with the Ishmael thing, I had to roll with it.
2: (laughs) I also want to know who's sensual enough to listen to us in the shower. That's what I want to know.
0: I should have said bathtub, because that's even more (laughs) sensual. Because we're a very sensual show here on the Middle Seats Podcast. As I said, we're the best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. Our show is typically divided into three separate sections. Our first section, we kind of talk about some of the bigger topics that are on our mind right now with our lobby talk segment. Then we talk about the biggest news stories of the week, and today... We're going to be talking about the biggest shark in cinema with our main review of The Meg. So guys, uh, the summer movie season winding down here. Um, The Meg is one of our big um, final things to go through, and we're very excited to talk about it. We have a lot to discuss today, and Jake is going to get us going here in Lobby Talk. Let's all go to the
1: lobby.
2: You're in the lobby? What do you
1: look like? I will blow up the block before you can make the lobby.
2: All right, so I like to make my lobby talks a little more, I don't know, not not quite philosophical, but just spur the conversation, you know, and try and dive into people's brains and see what they're thinking. And uh, this conversation I have in mind today is um, picking a show that's no longer on air. Uh, what show do you think you could just always watch or have just watched forever, just nonstop? So I have to give credit to the AV Club because they came up with this topic, but I loved it, and I thought the Middle Seats would have a lot of fun with it. Um, so for example, somebody picked Mad Men because they loved uh, his swagger and the advertising industry and they could have watched John Hamm's character do that forever. Somebody picked Parks and Rec because the small town antics related to them and they could have watched that forever. I thought we'd have a really fun conversation with this and I wanted to know what you guys think. And I think we should start with the happy time guy himself, Mr. Nate Longarini. Let's see what show Nate could watch forever had it never been canceled.
1: Yeah, so as soon as I heard this Uh, topic pitch Jake my thoughts immediately went to Futurama the show was canceled several times and (laughs) unfortunately it is like officially officially canceled but it had a great couple runs and I could have watched that show until the end of time made by the same creator as the Simpsons but I loved the Futurama characters so much and because it took place in the future and you had access to all sorts of wacky technology, you could go a million and a half different directions with it. And if there was a show I needed to watch till the end of time, Futurama fit that build because it was funny, it was smart, but smart about both smart people and dumb people, and it just tickled my funny bone in every sense of the word. And it even had its deep moments uh, where it took a break from the comedy um, but still, was entertaining and heartfelt and wholesome and all that jazz. I love Futurama. I could gush about it for ages. Uh, but that <laughs> is hands down my pick.
2: You know what? That's that's interesting and yet not surprising to me about you at least, because you are like a sciency, techie kind of guy. You know, compared with some comedy, some witty comedy, it actually doesn't surprise me about you. But I like that choice.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you picked that one because I'm a bit. I consider myself like a big like animated TV series, like, connoisseur. And of all the ones that went through my head, of ones that I could watch for all time, like South Park, and even Bob's Burgers, that was not one... Futurama never gripped me. I don't know what it was about it. I, I feel like I need to give it another shot, but I completely see how it's, like, perfectly up your alley because it, like, fits everything that we know about you. You're basically... yeah. Yeah, you're Yeah, that's how I felt.
2: <laughs> I was wondering if you picked Rick and Morty, but it's still on, so that cancels out. But. Oh, man.
0: Yeah. Rick and Morty, yeah. is it's too early in its run to see if Rick and Morty can that's very stand the too. test of time. It could burn out pretty easily.
2: That's also it, very true. What about you, Andrew?
0: Um, so, for when you pitched this idea earlier this afternoon, um, the first thing I thought was well, if this is a show that I'm going to watch forever and it's not going to get stale and it's not going to be, you know, kind of old. Uh, It's got to be a show that can adapt with the times. Um, I thought of Seinfeld, for whatever reason. Seinfeld is this show about nothing. Um, It alternated most of the time with its episodes between, like, finger on the pulse, social episodes, and, like, day-to-day life observations. Um, And you can never really run out of observations in this ever-changing world. Uh, There's even a Twitter account dedicated to Seinfeld current day. Just Jerry, Elaine, George, and Kramer. They're all so wacky and wild characters, but they're also so rooted in like people that you actually know, Uh, the neurotic little things of life, how they point it out, and how that stuff kind of goes into what made the show so special and what made it last. It's why you can watch reruns over and over again. It's because it's about things that we palpably understand. So the reason the show actually did die is because it lost Larry David, who was critical to the two genius like system behind it, it was him and Jerry. Jerry had to take the whole workload, and then the things the later episodes got more like outlandish, and that's not really what Seinfeld was built on per se. Mm-hmm. In an ideal world, Jerry and Larry they're on the whole time. Seinfeld adapts with the times, and they keep making episodes poking fun at the little things in life, but also making fun of the big current events that are going on too. So I think mm-hmm. it was a, yeah a, a really nice and adaptable show in that way, and I think it would work today still. I, I love that pick. Yeah, uh, that,
1: because, is, that is a good pick. And I, th- I think with this question, you have to make a real good argument to not pick a comedy. Because when it yeah. comes to comedy, or even just lighter, shorter episodes like this, you don't expect the same level of character bro- growth that makes something like a Breaking Bad or a, a Mad Men even um, so potent. Is because the story is built to have a crescendo and an ending, Right, right. For sitcoms, for comedies, you don't need to have that ending. So, by definition, they're easier to uh, drag on over an extended period of time. Look at The Simpsons; it's still on. It's right. Insane. Unbelievable. But it's because <laughs> the episodes can be about literally anything, and so Seinfeld is exactly like that, just a little more grounded in reality.
0: And they pretty much all reset after the end. You know what I mean? Like we expect sequential series of events. Right. Yeah. But Jake, I'm very curious to hear what uh, you're thinking about.
2: My brother likes these kind of questions too. Um, we actually talked about this for like a good, probably half hour or so and we went back and forth. Like Breaking Bad, as much as I adore it, I can't pick that one because it's too beautiful of an arc. Um, I thought about Parks and Rec but I not quite the show I'd watch forever even though I find myself revisiting it a lot. Um, Game of Thrones I could almost see working because of the families always trying to overpower each other. I could see that going for a while but I kind of rode that one over and I came down to kind of two and I do have a final answer, but I wanted to pitch Westworld is not my answer, but I thought it'd be fascinating because that kind of could go on forever because you could make a theme park about anything, right? I'm, I you have could. not seen the second season, so I'm not, that's like, I can't take <laughs> it.
1: Yeah. And it's still on air. Yeah. I think that might be a little vital to... Yeah, I think you just the... disqualified yeah, I know it's yourself. on air and
2: I haven't even seen the second season, but... They have a obviously Westworld Park, a Samurai Park. You can make a park about anything, and if they can keep up their you know their philosophical minds, I could see that being a show going on for a while. But the,
0: the problem is Westworld is so based on like what Jonathan Nolan and I think Lisa Joy is the name of the other co creator what they're trying to say about like humanity and stuff like that. How many times can you say the same fucking stuff over and over right. again? You know what I mean? Like right. that's the and problem that's, with that. Then
2: that's what's tough about dramas. Yeah. There's always because they're more serious, it's harder to just keep them going which is why we end up doing the easier stuff.
1: You need to finish a plot.
2: Right. Um, (laughs) And I think that's, I think, honestly, deep down in my gut, and it's going to be such a basic answer, but I find myself revisiting and just always relating, laughing, having a good time with friends. Just start to finish. It's relatable. It's easy. It's always funny. It's always well-written. And I just, I can go back and watch almost any episode and just go, yeah, this is such a good show. And I could see them progressing. Obviously, they ended it at a good point, but if they wanted to keep going, I I think they could have figured it out, hypothetically speaking.
0: Yeah, I certainly considered Friends. Um, The reason I picked Seinfeld over Friends is because of what I was saying. Seinfeld's literally a show about nothing, and Nate was just talking about the whole idea of, you know, you need to finish your plot. Well, Seinfeld had no plots to finish. They were running things that were happening. But, like, Friends friends were structured in a different way. Like, they would have, like, season-long arcs and things that were going on. Right, and, and like, like, marriages that. and stuff. Yeah, and you could tell, like, start stuff was starting to recycle at the end. Like, getting Rachel and Joey together in later seasons was not, yeah, like... Yeah,
2: that's, that's pretty universally, like, oh, they were ran, they ran out of ideas. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, exactly. But it's not a bad choice. I think it's a pretty solid choice because those... They had so much chemistry together and everything.
2: Oh, yeah, the, all, the six of them completely. And there's... I mean... There's always problems to be had in life, so they all could get married, they all could have kids, they all could do this, and it's always relatable every time, as long as they have that good chemistry and good writing. I don't know, I could have mm-hmm. I could have kept going with it.
1: Now, do you think it would still work if the cast got old and eventually was phased out of the series, and they added in, like the kids or, like, a new group of friends and you followed that dynamic?
0: Oh, I almost just threw up. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) It would have to be, like, pitch-perfect casting, I guess, but, um, I don't know, I think
1: we'd have to... tried to do that and it tanked hard.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, like, the first thing I just thought of was Fuller House. And Fuller House wasn't even that great to begin with, and still it was a (laughs) sacrilegious abomination.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think, I think I would want to see, like, you know, so, I mean, if you haven't seen Friends, spoiler alert, I guess. Um, But like, so, so Monica and Chandler move into a house and there's one of the funniest jokes that for some reason sat with me was Chandler goes, um, they're talking about houses and he goes, we need, we would need a room above the garage for Joey to grow old. And I'm like, that is one that's hysterical. And two, I can see that in an episode somewhere down the line. I don't know. I could see them doing like, I could have seen them doing all kinds of stuff and just still work.
0: Mm -hmm. It'd be better than half the stuff that's on TV right now.
2: Uh, 100%.
0: (laughs) Right we want to hear what your choices are if you have a TV show that we did not discuss that you want to know like, hey, I never want this to end please comment in the comment section of this podcast, please let us know please email us at the show at gmail.com let us know your thoughts that'll do it for Lobby Talk this week let's move into our news segment and this just in, a news break special report
1: I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story
0: so, gentlemen, this is becoming kind of a weekly segment here on the Middle Seeds podcast. Uh, I'm going to call it the State of Movie Pass Address. Uh, <laughs> last time we talked about Movie Pass, they were at a, cra- a crossroads. I think the last time we spoke, they were starting to charge 15 a month. Uh, they had crash pre Mission Impossibles release. Uh, dogs and cats were living together. It was mass hysteria. Basically, that's where they were at. A lot has happened since we last recorded, and not all of it great. Not all of it. No. Yeah, no, none of it correct. No. You know what, fuck it. <laughs> it hasn't been. Fuck this. Um, <laughs> let's stop this up front. So as of right now, starting today on the day of this recording, which is August 15th in the year of our Lord, 2018, um, movie passes back to the $10 plan that it started with. However, they are now on a three movies a month plan. So basically what that means is you buy a uh, $10 a month plan, and you get three movies a month. And then any additional movies from that, you're supposed to be able to still get for a discount. Um, however... God forbid anybody actually live up to their terms and conditions these days. And it's 2018 and life is awful. Uh, many of the movies that we want to see are being blocked off. Some will show up earlier in the day, then they'll disappear. This happened directly to Jake, I believe, today, right?
2: Two days. Two days in a row. I had to pay for the Meg on Monday. And then on Tuesday, it told me, yeah, here's a bunch of times." I was going to go see Black Klansman. And, like, I checked around, like, 6 o'clock and there was a showing for 7.30. And I'm like, oh, perfect. I checked again at, like, 6 40 and it, there was no showtime and i oh, just i God. was i was not understanding what happened it, it there was a showtime 40 minutes ago and then there was not and i just i don't know how that works but i was
0: annoyed. <laughs> mm. um well jake here's where you got it wrong you didn't realize that monday was slender man monday and tuesday was mission impossible tuesday i
2: didn't know that meant anything you told me oh it's Slenderman monday and i was like Haha, ha, alliteration. Oh
0: my goodness. You are far from the only person that didn't know that meant something. Because <laughs> what they've been doing to stall time, I think, because they've been leaking money. They have been trying to limit what movies you can see. They've been putting little twists on it to make it kind of cute. Like, okay, so you can only see this movie this day because we're calling it a theme day. Um, and then their customer service is absolutely atrocious. They're blaming people like us who go a lot. God fucking forbid we take advantage of your stupid system. And then they call us like abusing the system. Like ridiculous. Let the hate flow through. Yeah, right? you, they oh, answer. <laughs> for 10 bucks a month,
2: go watch all these movies. Okay. Well, not that many, guys. Right. Come on. What's
0: wrong with you? How dare you take advantage of us? Oh my God. Uh-huh. They, they answer the same way to every single question you might have. I'm not even in like news mode right now. I'm just kind of stressing. This is like Alcoholics Anonymous. Good. Movie Pass is Anonymous is what we're at right now. <laughs> um, so people obviously want to cancel. But guess what, guys? It's not even that fucking simple either. You know why? Because if you try to cancel, MoviePass has been re-enlisting you in their new plan. Without your permission. Mm-hmm. In a, Unbelievable. S- what seems to be illegal. It's like a horror movie. It's like, this is must be... You know what? I'm going to say. You know what? It's like Daniel Kaluuya in Get Out. That's what it's like right now. That's what we're... <laughs> First World Problems version of Get Out.
1: <laughs> okay, I, okay. I'll still buy it. I think the craziest reports that I've seen... Is that people successfully cancel, but because they had to like cancel twice in a row, want to on- obviously verify on their account that they have canceled their subscription, and even just looking at your account to confirm that you're canceled is resubscribing you to the yeah, service. Yeah, that's unbelievable. It's insane. It's maddening.
0: It's like a horrible case of Stockholm syndrome at this point because I'm so dependent. And I've become so used to these discounts that I just can't – I can't imagine I life and, without and that anymore. That kind of is like, the thing
2: because if a year ago they were like, hey, we have an idea, 10 bucks a month for three, for three movies, we would be like, great, okay. But now because we had the Holy Grail, now we're annoyed that we're just drinking Poland spring.
0: <laughs> exactly. <A> beautiful <laughs> analogy. Uh, I didn't even get to the fact that they're basically saying fuck you to the fans – in the middle of social media. Like, they're doing things like, oh, we're, we're going to finance this Bruce Willis movie. Oh, and we're also going to give away, to celebrate our one-year anniversary, we're going to do, like, a giveaway to Los Angeles for two very lucky fans, when, like, half the fans are like, yeah, can I just see a movie? Like, can I just go to the theater? <laughs> mm-hmm. Can I see something that's not gaudy? My God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm drained, guys. I don't even mm-hmm. smoke, and I need a cigarette from this shit. You know what? I almost
2: wonder what that what that vacation thing that they have going on is. Like, oh, yeah. Two plane tickets to wherever. What kind of plane is it? What airline? I really, I actually want to know. It's what kind of plane are we riding?
0: It's definitely Delta or Spirit.
2: Ho, hotel? I, I want to know what hotel first. I want to know details now. I am too sketched out by you people to just trust you.
1: I'm beyond <laughs> trusting them. I'm, I'm officially out, boys. I am canceled after this month. I managed to go see Meg with this, but I had to wait five days until it was available in the theater. Um... Through movie pass to use it, and I'm coasting out the rest of August, and I'm canceled (sighs) after this. But you
0: bought, you guys both have the option of AMC. I know. (laughs) uh... I'm I'm
1: gonna see
2: where I'm at in November because that's when my yearly's up, and I'm gonna see how I feel then. So I'm gonna give it another two months and see if anything looks up, and if not, I'm probably gonna go to AMC.
0: I'm I'm at a loss for words. I've never seen anything like this, and I doubt we'll ever see anything like this again. You know
2: what this is? Twenty twenty four this generation's gonna going to be on Twitter, whatever social media thing is big and go. TBT, remember that MoviePass thing when they were not letting people unsubscribe? Oh my God, remember that? That was so funny. Ha, 2018, ha, remember? That's what this is going to be.
0: And next week they're going to start releasing movies that fucking, like, scratch a sniff. God bless. Anyway, that's the state of MoviePass right now. It sucks. Everything sucks. Let's move on to things that don't suck as much. Okay, this still kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> so, guys, we've seen three new Star Trek movies in... This new trilogy, or this new saga, I should say, that was started back when J.J. Abrams rebooted the franchise almost 10 years ago at this point in 2009, Star Trek reboot. All three movies are pretty good. Uh, People have mixed opinions on Star Trek Into Darkness, but I still think it's a pretty solid uh, blockbuster, despite any problems you might have. The fourth Star Trek movie, it was supposed to reunite Chris Pine's James T. Kirk with his father character, some time-traveling, maneuvering, and he was played in that J.J. Abrams first film by a pre-Thor Chris Hemsworth which was pretty cool when you go back and watch it now. Uh, You never even really noticed it. Um, Well, it appears that that plot is very much in danger from happening. In fact, this movie's in jeopardy of probably even being made at all because both of those actors, Chris Hemsworth and Chris Pine, have walked away from the table with Paramount. They have walked away from negotiations. There's a chance that neither will appear in the movie. Um, Now, Hemsworth is one thing. They could probably recast him or write around him. He's obviously expensive, one of the biggest movie stars in the world right now, thanks to the Avengers franchise. However, Chris Pine is the main character of the franchise. So, first of all, general reactions, and then I want you to put yourself in Paramount's shoes. Are you going to sacrifice letting them walk for the sake of money? I guess let's start with Jake.
2: Um... I say Hemsworth, yes, because one, he's probably very expensive and he wasn't a huge part of the movies to begin with, but I think you need Pine. He's the main character and he's very good and he's probably not quite as expensive. I think you'd shell out some money for Pine and I think you can cast Chris Hemsworth. I don't think many people even remembered that he was his father.
1: I didn't. (laughs) Movie fans
2: would love to see Chris Hemsworth in a Star Trek again, I'm sure, but you can recast him.
0: Right. I didn't I don't remember even liking him that much to be honest.
2: He's he's only in the first like five minutes, right? That's it.
0: Yeah. Well even when he was in there I was kinda of, I was a little skeptical. I was like, oh, is this is the guy that's gonna play Thor. But then of course he blew away he blew me away.
2: Oh yeah, um, kicked asses Thor.
0: Yeah, exactly. But well
1: after two F Thor movies. Yeah. Well, not two.
0: I I like the first one. Disagree there, but okay, whatever. <laughs> no backup Jake.
2: <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen the second one in a while and the first one's fine. <laughs> It's alright. I revisited it last summer and I thought it was fine. Not bad. But he's much better in the Whatever. Avengers movies and Thor 3.
1: Back back to yeah. the, the topic at hand. Um, it's hard to say because this Star Trek reboot um, is kind of a little shaky. And obviously the box office results have kind of um, hit that yeah, as well. Because they to. haven't been super huge blockbusters. Right. Um, even the last one, which was much more critically acclaimed didn't do that well financially.
0: Yeah, that that brings me to like the main thing. Like Star Trek Beyond made only $300 million worldwide and its budget was 185 million. Like the studio is not happy with those results. And yeah, like you were saying Nate, like they're not even though the critics are liking them, maybe the audiences aren't flocking to mm-hmm. them as much. Yeah, and like I'm I'm
1: not particularly high on the first or the second ones of the reboot. Um it, they're just kind of they're boring to me. So they'd have to try really darn hard to not only make a good movie, but make a financially successful movie. It's possible. Uh, Mission Impossible is proving that a long-running franchise can still pull off good stuff.
2: You just need practical stunts. It's really all you need. In anything, Mamma Mia, practical stunts. Throw them in there. Well,
1: practical stunts and your lead, though. And yeah. your lead, though. So you definitely need Chris Pine back Yeah. if you have any shot of continuing on this franchise as it stands now. I don't see how you can promote the side characters to lead status
0: and still have a good movie. I just don't think audiences are going to go. That's the biggest problem there. Um, Because I don't know who, I mean, Zoe Saldana is kind of a star. Simon Pegg is kind of a star. But, like, at the same time, Chris Pine is your most bankable face at this point. Um, And, yeah, like, people weren't going to begin with. That's clearly the biggest problem is that, like, Star Trek has always been in this weird place in people's minds, I feel like where, like, Star Wars is this big, mainstream, popular brand. But Star Trek has always been seen as it's kind of, like, nerdy little step-cousin.
2: It's known for its, yeah. its, its hand thing, the Vulcan hand symbol, whatever that is. is.
0: I'm Yeah, I'm doing it right now, but this is an audio podcast. But just v- visualize me doing the, the thing with the V. Uh, anyway, Google it. Um, <laughs> no. But, yeah, that's that's been a hump that they've always had to get over. And I think the newer films have done a better job of making it, quote-unquote, cool, I guess, but it still has to find a way to not like completely piss off the fans that love the originals. And this is all building to the point that the movies don't do as well as some of the other big blockbusters. And therefore, can you afford to pay someone like Chris Pine the huge price tag he wants for what amounts to— I mean, yeah, he's an integral figure, but he's still part of an ensemble. So yeah, I think, I think eventually they'll come to an agreement. At least they'll come to the table to an agreement. Um, Chris Hemsworth, I think, will end up walking. And I think that's fine. They can find somebody that's like a B-list actor that is still serviceable or really good in the role. Um, Anyway, so that we'll transition away from that. We'll give you any updates to that that we have in the upcoming weeks. Let's move into what I think is the most earth-shattering story in the movie industry. It's been the most controversial thing talked about recently. So i got to do a little table setting with the Oscars in general. Uh, Things have been changing at the Oscars for the last 10 years. Since 2008 – uh, people were really mad when that little movie, that little indie, Jake and Nate, have you ever heard of the little indie called The Dark Knight?
1: Oh, yeah, that big, superly huge, uh, highest-grossing movie of all time at the time kind of thing.
0: It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Well, you forgot a Little Miss Sunshine, but yeah, Dark Knight number two. Yeah. <laughs> um, pe- people were outraged when that movie got snubbed for a Best Picture nomination, um, and rightfully so in my opinion, but... The way the Oscars decided to approach it from there is that they expanded the field to 10 films. So movies like District 9 or like The Blind Side and Up the next year in 2009 were able to get these nominations when they wouldn't have the year before. Um, But the ratings weren't changing. They went from 10 films and they went back to 5 to 10. Now they've kind of like just trying to figure out what they need to do to make people actually watch the show. And their decision is to kind of add a new category um, that we don't really know a lot about but it's enough for me to feel a certain way about it um so really all we know about it is that it's going to be called the achievement and popular film award um there's no specific guidelines or anything like that we're still plenty of months away from even the nominations coming out um but the supposed idea is that films like black panther uh, avengers infinity war the incredibles 2 wonder woman wonder woman um things that, movies like those that might not be like mainstream for the Oscar Academy, has a chance to win some kind of award. Um, I think there's a, this obviously decision is obviously being made with ratings in mind, um, but a lot of people have felt very strongly one way or another about it. Uh, Jake,
2: what um, do you think? I'd like to know a little bit more.
0: Right now, I think it's kind of
2: nonsense because it's ratings and they're going to get rid of... I mean, they're not going to get rid of, they're just not going to televise things like sound editing and sound mixing which I think most people will be okay with. But that's really all it is. It's best, it's best popular film so Mark Wahlberg can go, yay, Transformers got best popular film. doesn't mean anything. So, I mean, now, if they go an actual serious route with it and they take it seriously, I'd like to see where it goes. I'm not totally against it yet. I just don't
1: 100% see the point right now. My thought is that this is a participation award. For blockbusters, mm. so the big tentpole movies that people actually go and see in theaters are gonna get something, but as a result, they're absolutely not gonna be nominated for best picture ever, because now you can right. save that for the the high end artsy movies and the other ones that normally win Oscars, right. and this is just another separation between oh the plebeian blockbusters, oh your Dark Knights, your uh, your Avengers movies, they'll go in this category. Right. And all of my art house movies are going to go in this movie. Um, I'm not totally against that separation of artistic style because there is very much a difference between a superhero movie and something like 12 Years a Slave, which obviously deals with a lot different subject right. matter and um, was worthy of winning an Oscar, even if it didn't make as much money as those other movies.
2: Why? Why don't they just? I mean, this isn't really sustainable for a long term, but like, it, I feel like this could very well end up being best superhero movie of the year, or a lot of it. Or like, I mean, I guess yeah. if Godzilla happens to be really good, maybe they'll throw that in there. But like, there's gotta be some criteria here, you know? Yeah. Like, you can't, we have to pretty much accept that Transformers movies, no nomination. I don't care if it made a billion dollars worldwide, that does not get nominated because now you're a joke. Mm-hmm. Like, Oscars, if you decide to nominate Transformers, For something along the lines of film, not just technology, of, like, film, you're a joke. You cannot nominate Transformers as, this was pretty good because it was popular. No. No, 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 no. Stop.
0: Right. And, I like, Jake, you're right. We don't know the criteria yet. But given the whole concept behind this and what I think the reason that we're having this discussion in the first place, why they're doing this, the criteria is going to be sloppy. Like, where are you going to place a movie like Blade Runner 2049? It had a big budget. Uh, it was relatively popular. It's like, it is a quote-unquote blockbuster. But what if it's good enough to be in that Best Picture category? Is it going to get both nominations, or is it disqualified from that main category because it's in well, this? And,
2: and that's that's the other thing. So Best Picture and Best Popular Film, it's just going to spark all kinds of debates. Like, mm-hmm. say this was around 10 years ago, and Avatar was put into Best Popular Film. People be pissed.
0: Right, right. that's a really good example.
2: So, or um, like, Or like... Well, for me, hypothetically speaking, a couple of years ago, if Mad Max, Mad Max was not for Best Picture, and I was so happy. I think it would have stayed there because it also got Best Director. But hypothetically speaking, if a movie like that goes into popular film, I'm going to be mad.
0: Right. There's no. There's. It's really going to be interesting to see how they quantify it. But right now, just on the surface, yeah, you both of you nailed it. You can forget about movies like Mad Max or Up, or even the, even if the The Dark Knight, like that year. It would have been probably put in the popular film category as, like, a consulary thing. It's a participation trophy. That's completely correct, Nate, the way you said that there. Um, and it just feels like kind of a sad and desperate attempt to get people to watch yeah. their award show again, even though the people that are loyal like us are, are still watching. Like, this just feels like a slap in the face to us, kind of. Well, like I'll be honest, true. I don't particularly care too
1: much about Oscars. The night of, I'll watch. I'll look at the results the next day um, if I haven't watched it. But like the funnest part about the Oscars for me is um, like playing the guessing game with all of all of our friends and just going through that checklist of who do we think's gonna win. The actual show itself is has never been that entertaining for me, and I feel like adding a category to draw more people in this way isn't going to be solving the the problem with the Oscars, which is the fact that it's too long. It always goes over. Yeah, it's a lot of technical stuff that a lot of people don't understand or don't care yeah. about that much. We're not saying that they shouldn't, but just like the general public isn't rallied around that kind of thing and watching it for 3 hours and ends gets old
0: fast. Yeah, but like at that point like I love all the categories that we have in the Oscars and there've been discussions that the addition of this and the idea of making a shorter show will make things more streamlined. Like, they're going to give away awards like Best Visual Effects during the commercial break so that we don't see them. I don't want that. Like, again, that's alienating people that are really into Mm. this. You know what I mean? Mm. It's the idea of, like, I want to appeal to the masses, but I'm going to forget all the people that made me big in the first place. It's It's just odd. And you're right. It doesn't address the biggest problems at all. It's not gonna it's not gonna change no, for,
2: anything. For me, I think it really just has kind of come down to how they handle it, and what their criteria is and who votes on it. So, like as far as the Oscars go, directors vote for best director. For me, that's kinda of why it means something. If so, Guillermo del Toro won best director, even if I I don't agree with it, I have to respect it because his fellow directors voted for him. That means something. Cinematographers vote for cinematographers, editors vote for editors, ever all of them vote for best picture. Who's gonna vote for best popular film? Who decides that?
0: The people, <laughs>
2: honestly, cool. If that's how they decide to if do they, it, cool. No,
1: if they do, even like a, even like a Twitter poll or something would be kind of interesting. It's just the People's Choice Awards at that point, right?
2: Why why even, we, why even bother?
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: So I guess it really does kind of depend. Like if they, so like last year, if they decided to nominate like Baby Driver and Blade Runner twenty forty nine and three other good films that didn't get a Best Picture nom, okay. I'm kind of interested, I guess. But mm. even then, when I mean, you put it like
0: when you put it like that, that's not that makes it sound a little better. You it, know yeah, what but I mean? it like give it more widespread neck recognition, but still, right? I don't want to stretch for movies that don't deserve it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Somebody brought up a good point. They were like, if the movie, if the blockbuster wasn't good enough to be nominated for best picture, uh, and it, obviously this is not taking into account like snubs and everything like that, but like if the movie was not good enough to get a nomination in the main best picture category, it probably wasn't doesn't deserve this high recognition anyway. It's probably flawed. You know what I mean? So we could spend a whole show unpacking all of the different Oscar politics and everything. We have to move on here. Um speaking of movies that might be nominated for Best Popular Film. <laughs> <laughs> <Jesus> <laughs> we have segues Christ. and then we have <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. That, <laughs> <laughs> we have segues and then we have the Mick.
2: What you people discovered is bigger than we
0: ever thought possible
2: was the largest shark that ever existed. A living
0: fossil. My God. It's Megalodon. Did you guys ever watch Shark Week? He looks heroic, but he's kind of got a negative attitude. Chew on this, you ugly. The Meg is directed by John Turletaub. He's the director of the two national treasure movies and The Sorcerer's Apprentice, uh, a couple other things. Um, he's kind of a journeyman B-movie director, and he is helming probably the biggest B-movie of the summer here. Uh, the Meg stars Jason Statham, Bing Bing Lee, Rain Wilson, Cliff Curtis, Ruby Rose, and a group of other actors. It's based on a book from the 1990s. It's been a development hell for a long time. Disney first owned the property and then eventually passed through hands until Warner Brothers finally released it as a part Chinese production um, here in 2018. Statham, who obviously is the biggest star of the whole thing, he plays Jonas Taylor. Uh, He's this dive rescue specialist. He has this big tragic past that you learn about throughout the movie. He's called on to rescue crew members who got stuck really deep in the ocean. Um, They're not only in danger because they're stuck, but because there is a 25-foot megalodon threatening below. A megalodon is this big prehistoric shark about 25 feet long, about the size of a building thought to be extinct before Jason Statham and his pals happened upon it. So, guys, this is one that's been kind of on our radar, maybe ironically, maybe not ironically, for the last couple of months or so since we've heard about it. It's supposed to be, you know, this big late August fun, turn-off-your-brain uh, summer movie, and it, the audiences responded to it this weekend as it opened double the projections and may have gotten uh, Nate a big win in our own personal box office draft, so congratulations. Hell yeah. (laughs) But Nate, let's swing it to you. Do you have conflicted feelings because you don't like this movie, or are you all in on the Meg?
1: Oh, for totally selfish reasons, I'm very happy that it's doing well. Um, And you gotta love the Shark movie when it comes out. On my personal level, my personal satisfaction with it, uh, Jason Statham is a lot of fun. Uh, For what it's worth, the CG shark actually looks pretty convincing throughout the whole thing. And there are some fun shots with it all. Um, But at the end of the day, it is just another silly shark movie. So I really can't be that high on it just because the whole theme, the whole plot of the movie only goes so far. And you got to say, all right, we've seen big sharks before. What are you going to do to wow us? And this movie does have some wow moments. And then this movie has some really cringy dialogue to lay syrup on top of the whole thing. So definitely a mixed reaction from me. It'll definitely appeal to some people. I can't say it really appealed to me for the moment. But we'll go into more detail later. Go ahead, Jake.
0: Um
2: I'm not gonna say I liked it, but I was pleasantly surprised. I did I usually do not care for these movies whatsoever. And being that we always review the biggest movie of the week, when this was it, I went, fuck. But I don't know. I and I had an awful crowd, which is just never a good sign. I had eight. I had like these eighth graders playing the penis game until the movie started and I was ready to go fit. <laughs> I swear to God, I was like, I can't even take it. God, why bless. am I here? Was it at least movie a 3D movie working. so you could
1: feed him to the shark?
2: <laughs> no, I, I resent 3D. But no. So, yeah, I expected to be livid and I was excited to be livid and rip it apart on the podcast. And it, I was OK with it. I didn't. I didn't like it, but I didn't dislike it. It was kind of like, oh, okay, not as bad as I would have thought. It was all right. I agree with Nate. It's definitely not well made, but it's it's not as poor as I would have expected.
0: It's competent. Yeah, act-
2: actually, yeah. yes. I was it's surprisingly competent. <laughs> uh
0: for me, uh it's hard cuz I didn't really have big expectations either. I just wanted to have a little bit of fun, and it's kind of a tale of two halves for me with this movie. Um, I found, like, the first half of this movie pretty hard to get through. Um, It's slow. It's kind of dull. It's not really entertaining. It's spending a lot of time on really unnecessary backstory that bogs things down about these characters that I barely care about. Uh, We don't even see the Meg until, like, a half an hour to 40 minutes in, um, which is a problem when things are really not that interesting happening. And then there's a very distinct pivot point somewhere in the middle, and I'll talk about where that pivot was for me, where... It really became the movie I was expecting that I wanted to have. Um, it was a little bit too little too late. Not quite. I mean, it's not, because I'm not going to give it completely high marks, but it saved itself from failure is what I'm trying to say. The second half ramps up the fun. There's more laughs. The actors feel more loose. The, all, I would say pretty much all the actors did a really good job at elevating what could have been really like hot garbage, like awful characters. Um, pretty much across the board. Uh, there's a few standouts. Statham is great. Uh, I think Rain Wilson is really good. Um, making a character that could have been really, really insufferable, just slightly insufferable.
2: I actually expected him to be insufferable and I found him tolerable. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is
0: a complete victory. Uh, the shark herself, she's great. I was telling Nate before the podcast, she is a feminist icon in the making. Who? Um, I would vote for her, The Shark. The shark.
2: <laughs> oh, The Shark. Oh. I'm like, I don't, who are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, did I watch the same movie?
0: Um, yeah, there's a f- few creative action moments, uh, which we'll go more into detail later, but it eventually became what I was expecting, but it spent too much time for me to fully recommend it on like the, the stupid stuff, the stuff that I don't care about, the stuff that nobody here cares about.
1: Huh. This is very odd because as a whole, I think we're on the same page, true, but like on the specifics, I felt the exact opposite about the other things. Uh, Rain Wilson's character, I didn't like at all. And I actually kind of liked the first half of the movie a little bit better than the second half. And the reason why is twofold. I thought, like, they explore underwater more in the first half. And that was more fun for me because it was tense. And it had some, like, mystery behind it. And it was just kind of more fun seeing that environment. Because you don't see that in every other shark movie. The second half, I felt, wasn't cheesy enough. To have a good time with it. There was actually some like serious moments. And then they did like the classic one-liner that didn't really land for me at any point. There were like maybe like one or two jokes that worked. But like the surface level stuff that they did just didn't land with me. And it wasn't nearly as exciting either on the action set point or the comedic set point for me. So I I was a little off on the second half and I was getting pretty bored by the end.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you were in, like, this really weird limbo area. Um, it didn't it didn't barrel me over, but it was much closer to what I was expecting. Um, and I see what you're saying, where the whole— Yeah, the first, first half of the movie, roughly, is in this od- underwater facility, which is really well-designed. It's a cool-looking design, but they don't really do— It's a lot of talking. Yeah,
2: I was kind of shocked at how much talking was in the first
0: act. It's a lot of talking and a lot of posturing and a lot of, like— Silly stuff, but not fun. Silly stuff. At least the second half is fun. Silly stuff, um, but the first half is like, okay, you are. This is sci-fi movie levels of seriousness right now that I can't deal with. Yeah, um,
1: I don't think anybody expected that watching the trailers for this thing.
0: Yeah, um, Jake, I, I, Rain Wilson's character I think is a is a point of contention here. Um, it's weird because he's so much of a stereotype of like a rich asshole billionaire but like rain wilson's such a likable actor that he does more with it but is it enough is the question and i thought it was i it was enough that like i wasn't completely irritated maybe that's low standards but whatever <laughs>
2: yeah i'm wondering if if it's like the if it's like the justice league syndrome like because we had low expectations when it was not half bad we went oh, okay nice
0: right i would say i'm in the same range with this one as i was when i first saw justice league where i'm kind of like it could have been worse, it could have been better. It's kind of in this middle ground area. Um,
2: definitely, I was expecting a lot worse from, uh, you're right, from both movies. Justice League and the Mega. I expected worse from both. Right.
0: So. Does it feel like a missed opportunity? A little bit. But it also doesn't feel like it's completely squandering like the fun potential it had. Yeah. Right. This could have been Fast and Furious with Sharks, and it
1: never quite got there. Right.
2: Yeah, I agree. Tiny, tiny minor point. I was very pleasantly surprised by the little girl, the little daughter. I agree. She cried 100%. She was cra- Like, she was consistently making me laugh, and I was totally thrown off guard by that.
1: I think what made her work was the fact that she called the other characters on their shit.
2: Yeah, she calls Jason Statham crazy, and I was like. And
1: I think that is the only way that a little kid works in a movie. Either they contribute in a way that isn't obnoxious, or they, like, hang a lantern on the annoying things that you saw in the script. And that. That worked for me because she wasn't she wasn't obnoxious she wasn't screamy she wasn't squealy she just played her part and she did a good job with it
2: yeah I was I was like all right good for you little girl who I've never seen before
0: yeah another <laughs> and another small thing with her is that it's clear that English isn't her first language either and she does a really good job navigating those struggles of switching between languages and stuff like that. It's just, it's a small little detail, but something that I'll, another kid would have monumentally, like imagine like Jake Lloyd trying to switch language. I, I don't poor Jake. Lloyd. I shouldn't have done that <laughs> yeah, too. Come on. Poor guy. <laughs> that wasn't <laughs> nice. <laughs> I need to let it go. It's been almost 20 years. Uh, <laughs> Any, let's pivot to ratings before I get become even more of a dick and keep making fun of child actors. Um, if you are just joining us for the first time on the Middle Seats podcast, we have a very unique rating system. Here's how it goes. If we think a movie is close to a masterpiece, we give it a royal throne. If it's a movie that's really great but has like some minor flaws, we give it something called a plush recliner. If we think it's a good movie but with some pretty significant flaws at points, we give it a wooden seat. If it's a movie that's kind of the inverse of that, if it's a movie that like we have some significant problems with but there are a few bright spots, we'll give it a damp lawn chair. And then if it's a movie that's just completely a crockpot of awfulness, we'll give it a sleazy outhouse. <laughs> crockpot, nice. Uh, if, we, if we feel like it's a movie that really needs to be seen with an audience in the theater, we'll put the little bag of popcorn moniker on it. And there's little inside-outs of where we can put our ratings, like we can qualify it and put it like kind of split things down the middle. Um, I'll get through my conflicted self in just a moment. Nate, what would you give the Meg?
2: Do it, Nate. Give it a Royal oh, Throne. Boy. Do it. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not today. Uh, I, I was actually struggling the same thing here, Drew. I I really kind of want a halfway rating here, but sticking to my guns, I'm going to go damp lawn chair on this one. It's definitely one of the drier lawn chairs we've had, (laughs) and I've definitely been harsher on other movies and given the same rating. But honestly, I just think for my personal rating, I have to stick to a damp lawn chair for this one because it just isn't my type of movie. I will say that if you are in the mood to turn your brain off, if you've liked these types of movies in the past, if you like Jason Statham, just like in other movies like The Transporter or whatnot. Go see this movie. I'd recommend it to you. And I think that those types of people will have a good time with this movie. This one just didn't fit my fancy so much because I just got bored by the end. And that kind of officially sunk the ship for me, if you will. Where it wasn't quite good enough to give a full positive rating. That said, you could definitely do worse than The Meg. Wow. A ringing endorsement.
0: You could do worse. <laughs> I was going to
2: say that should that should be a, a quote on the movie poster. You could do worse.
0: <laughs> right, put it on the back of the DVD box. Uh, Jake, let's try to get that erased from the back of the DVD box. What do you um,
2: say? I think we, we call all kind of universally feel the same because I agree with Nate. This is not typically my kind of movie. I don't typically care for the nonsense, ridiculous kind of stuff unless it's very self-aware, um, in which case sometimes I can tolerate it. I expected... Going into this, and after seeing the first act, I was kind of thinking Damp Lawn Chair, but for me, it picked up a little bit. It became fun. I actually thought there was a middle sequence that was actually surprisingly pretty tense, and there's not... I mean, there's there always is some dumb decisions in these movies, but there weren't as many as I thought there would be, so being pleasantly surprised, I'm actually going to throw it a wooden seat. I'm going to be merely slightly positive. Like, if a five and a half is Damp Lawn Chair and a six is a wooden seat, this is like a six. Like it just mm. kind of grazes its way onto a, a, a chair. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, Jake. It sounds like we're all wrestling with the same thing. Yeah. So I, w- we're all in that same range. We're in the really low wooden seat or really high damp lawn chair yeah. range. Yeah. Um, you can't take this movie too seriously. Uh, I knew that going in. Um, even, the problem with the biggest problem with the movie is that sometimes it doesn't even take that to heart, and it takes itself too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, preach. You have to do the tongue-in-cheek thing with it a little too much. It needs to it needs to give a little bit back to you here. Um, like I said, there's a clear turning point where it wakes up. It became very much closer to the movie I wanted. But I think... Uh, I almost think it's a little too late to save it overall. Unfortunately, it's not going to be this big, memorable extravaganza that a lot of people want it to be. It's going to be kind of forgettable at, at a point. Um, so I'm going to go... It's not in danger of being eaten by sharks or anything. It's not like floating in the ocean. But it is it's it's gotten a little wet. It's a damp lawn chair. Yes. Um, I think this is the first <laughs>
1: time you've agreed with me over Jake <laughs> <laughs> it, Record.
2: <laughs> For me it was just fun it was just fun enough to move it into positive. I'm aware it's not well made, but I had just a good enough time to go, okay, fine. You can go up a little
0: bit. Yeah, and I think The things that annoyed me the most will be best set talking about in spoiler section. If you have not seen The Meg, um, there's really not too much that I can give away here. Um, There there are specifics of why I feel the way that I do, and I'm sure why Nate feels the way that he does, and why Jake feels the way that he does, that we'll have to get into. Um, There's not too much to spoil plot-wise. But anyway, we still recommend that you see the movie first before we spoil it for you. If you have seen The Meg, come swim into our spoiler section. Whoa! Oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert!
1: Spoiler
0: Excuse me, spoiler alert.
1: Alrighty, so let me get started here. I think the biggest issue for me as a whole is that there is never any sense of urgency in the entire movie. Whenever you go to one of the big action set pieces, the main characters always have as much time as they need to to get there. Like, the shark doesn't show up at the sunken sub until Jason Statham shows up. When the Megalodon surfaces, it's literally just hanging out on the surface, waiting for Jason Statham to swim up to it, and then the action set piece starts. Same thing when you finally get to the big beach scene at the end with, spoiler alert, the second Megalodon um starting to eat all those people there nothing really happens no one's getting in huge danger until they're ready with their plan and then they go like it's just there's never any urgency jaws and even other like b-list um shark movies all at least have this ticking clock at some point and there just never is in this movie.
0: Yeah, although Jaws does take a break for them to all get fucking drunk one night, I will say. But then, like, it makes sense because you need to hunt down the shark again,
1: you know? Right. They never have to worry about this movie. There's always just a fin sticking out of the water. Right, I'm kind of playing devil's
0: advocate there. Um, First of all, uh, Mr. Nate and Mr. Jake, I would like to be respectful. Can we refer to the Meg as a she, not an it?
2: it? Is that confirmed?
1: It was confirmed at least for the second shark. I don't remember them saying
0: it out loud for the first. Right. Gotcha. Nate, that point is very valid though, what you just said. I, I yeah. it's not something that like stuck with me, but the whole non urgency thing came to me in different forms. Like the whole fact that people die and then like Jason Statham's still trying to have sex with Bing Bing Lee. Like, <laughs> like nobody's mourning at all. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, I they, noticed that. They too. give it a little lip surface, like hero from I, heroes I dies. That too. And then mm-hmm. like they cut to a scene where like Jason Statham's like getting out of the shower, like yeah, yeah. Nobody mourns anyone. That's that's where the lack of urgency was for me. And there there um,
2: were times when they tried because they were like, they were like, oh, you know, it, 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 I I forget what the line was, and I guess that doesn't help my point at all. But I knew there were a couple times where they did address it. But you're right, nobody's nobody cries.
1: Nobody's
0: in a rush to get anywhere in this movie, right? Ever? Like here they had they had times where they could have done it this movie's really weirdly constructed at points especially like i said in the first half they make that whole big deal about hero from heroes which is if you guys don't know who i'm referring to it's the asian engineer that dies like sacrifices himself gives the note away to yep. to give to his wife why don't we see a scene of somebody bringing that to her at the end of the movie wait or something like that. doesn't
2: that guy die
0: that guy dies yeah and then he just gives put it that to together. the
2: ceo he dies too
1: right the fat guy who was trapped in the oh, sub yeah. with him and the ceo will oh die
2: this plot point never got resolved.
0: I Yeah. Wow, yeah. That all just clicked for us at the same time, I think. Oh,
2: shit. <laughs> I totally didn't... I have totally forgot about that. That never got resolved.
0: So that, Ugh. like again, shows that nobody really cares. Like, right. How Jason Statham gets brought into the fold is so... That scene is so... Well, it's It's cliche.
1: But again, they could have gone one of two directions with this. They could have made the heavy action movie, or they could have done the full cheesy movie. And them bringing on Jason Statham that way is totally cheesy movie, which would have worked, but they just
0: didn't commit to it. Right. That's the problem. That's the biggest problem I have with it. Yeah. He he has this big, tragic backstory where, first of all, did anybody feel that he was in the wrong in that situation? Like, why is everybody giving him such a fucking hard time about this? Like, that is the clear choice. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I remember I was thinking that, too. For me, I just I knew there were going to be things like that in the story. So I guess when they came up, I'm like, oh, here it is.
0: Like, okay, the doctor has a problem with it because he was there and he had a big issue with it. But I literally out loud went, shut up. When Bing Bing Lee gives him a hard time after he saves her and his ex-wife. <laughs> and then she changes her mind literally a scene later. Literally right. a scene
1: later. It's, yeah. There's no growth there. We don't see why she changes her mind. She just says, oh, I get that you were right. I am a strong female character.
0: It's just like, come on. But she's not even though. That's the thing with her character. Yeah. She mm-hmm. Half of her character is trying to have sex with Jason Statham. And like, usually I don't care about this. I'd rather them not do this. But um, they do not commit to this love triangle, like at all. We don't even know he had an ex-wife before they play the clip of his ex-wife in danger. Like couldn't, that's an easy rewrite. Have her on the sub when he saves everybody. So we've met her before and it's not just completely random when he goes, I'm not going to do it. And then they play a clip and he goes, okay, I'll do it. You know what I mean? And then she's not in the rest of the movie at all. Nope. It's just it's just really oddly structured. It, there's those little details like that were what we're building up in the first half. So when the second half rolled around, they basically just forgot all of that. They just they just started ignoring those little details and stuff like that. I, I
2: yeah. want to talk about my my fake favorite part, the unintentionally laugh-out-loud funny part for me. Because I was the only person in the movie who laughed, and that one, that was when I was clear, like, oh, that that was not supposed to be funny. Goddamn helicopters lately <laughs> 50 shades darker and now here so in the third act of this movie they're you know they they find out that there is a shark and people start to panic and then on the way out they're on this like big tanker battleship looking thing and they throw they try to torpedo it they miss there's an explosion and it catches some people's attention on the shore two helicopters take off They go to investigate and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but from what I saw, I shit you not, this movie just decides that one pilot gets distracted, crashes into the other helicopter, the other pilot, yep. and they crash yep. into the ship, and then that's it. It's never talked <laughs> about again. Nothing happens. There's no consequences <laughs> from it. A couple people fall into the water because they hit, they hit the ship. Nothing happens. I literally right. out loud went, yep. What? And laughed out loud yep. and nobody else found it funny but me. <laughs>
1: this is after three fake outs where you think the helicopter is going to get eaten by the shark. <laughs> I yeah. was
2: no. I was borderline hysterical. I'm like, they there's no need for that. There is no need for these yeah. helicopters to take off, crash into each other, then crash into the boat. And then nothing happened.
0: And then they weren't using <laughs> helicopters at times where it makes sense to use helicopters. Like yeah. they had Jason Statham go into the water to shoot that dart instead of just calling in helicopter help before. Like, stuff like that. Yeah. Like, little plot things like that. And the second half kept building up. The fact that this shark can sneak up on anyone at any point. It's 25 feet long. Jaws couldn't even sneak up on people, really.
2: Yeah, there's a point where it comes underneath the cage, and I'm like, it's a see-through
0: cage. What do you right. mean? Yeah. Nobody has, like, goggles on underwater, like when there's, like, a bunch of people off the side of the bay, and they don't see this thing coming?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> We could nitpick this movie all day because obviously, at least from the trailers, you get the sense that this movie is not designed to be nitpicked. It's going to a, be a fun, yeah.
0: cheesy movie, you know? Yeah. So let's talk, let's talk positives for a little bit. I just thought when they left the station eventually and they started to go above, um, and, and it kicks off, and probably my favorite action moment is when Statham has to jump in the water and shoot the shark, the first shark. Yeah. with the poison yep. and agree. then swim back as fast as he possibly can. I agree. I thought that whole thing
2: was very tense actually.
0: I was right. pretty surprised. The the finale is kind of redundant. It does the same kind of thing, but like instead you he know. stabs it in the eye with his his Right. Other hand. I like how the shark dies the same way that Scar does in The Lion King.
2: <laughs> I actually thought that was pretty uh pretty unique. Like after this these big fights, it still gets eaten by the other sharks. I thought that was cool. Actually,
0: Yeah. So like after that moment, it started building some f- creative, silly, but fun scenarios that we could watch. Um, nothing amazing, but it was better than what we had had before. Much better. Although for whatever reason, they rewrote the black guy, uh, Paige Kennedy's character, to be just like completely annoying scaredy cat combi- comic relief halfway through. hmm he was, like, super, like, competent for the first half of the movie, and it's, like, another writer, like, Michael Bay went in there and started writing scripts about... Right. Like, it the totally reminds me of a Michael Bay character. Oh, my God, that's right on point. It, like, out of nowhere, too. Like, that's who I thought Rain Wilson was going to be. And Rain Wilson, like, actually had, like, a really nice emotional moment where he was like, I'm mourning with you. And I was hoping that would be the last time we saw the character. And then for whatever <laughs> reason, like, he decided, I'm going to go get the shark myself.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was when... And they actually sort of covered their track because they're like, oh, he wants to avoid all the lawsuits and just take care of himself. I actually went, huh, okay, fine. Then his old co-workers kick the boat into high gear. He falls off. I'm like, and here you go. And here's your poorly written death of Rain Wilson. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. I knew it from the beginning. I knew immediately when they were like, oh, when they when they introduced him, I was like, I wonder what this is going to be. He's the billionaire. Oh, and he's dead. Got
0: it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. Oh, it's just a matter right. of how insufferable will he be. Right. And,
2: oh, so he dies at some point. Okay. Cool. Right.
0: Um, I thought the movie gave away that, or the, tra- the movies trailers gave away the fact that there's a second shark. Um, Especially when it's much, much bigger than the first
1: one you see. You right. Know? Exactly. Yeah. I also thought
2: they were gonna leave Reuben for sequels. I'm like, oh, there's a second. So I guess that hole in whatever it was that they penetrated is open, and things are coming through. There's your yeah. sequel. No? Well, I
0: mean, it looks like Jaws dies in the first Jaws. And then we got to Jaws 4, where it literally had a vendetta against Michael Kane So never say never for <laughs> franchises, is my point. Mm-hmm. Joe. I've pretty much covered everything I want to cover. Um, Nate, why don't why don't you start to wrap it up here? Yeah, I, I
1: really just got to stick with my gut on this one. I personally didn't enjoy this movie, but I know a lot of people will. And I highly recommend that those people go and check this one out. For what it's worth, it's still a fun dumb but fun shark movie you'll have your fun deaths you'll have the there's the funny moments toward the end that this movie should have had more of throughout um i think to make like the perfect cheesy b movie uh but it is what it is giant shark jason statham can't go too far off the rails with
0: that combo right there jake go
2: Um, yeah, I'm going to kind of echo that. I typically don't like these kind of movies, but I know there's a large, large audience that does. Um, so I'm not all that surprised that it's doing pretty well. Um, I was more surprised that I actually found it semi-entertaining for a long, a long stretch. Um, yeah, it's not bad. It's, it's just fun enough for me to be positive about it. I'm well aware. It's one of those movies I'm well aware it's not particularly well-made. It's certainly not well-written, but it was competent. The story was competent enough and it was fun enough for me to go, all right, not, not bad. I'm going to slightly hint positive on this. So good for you, Meg.
0: Not bad. Good for you, Meg. Um, here's the thing. Everybody <laughs> that wants to see this movie should lower their expectations. The people that are expecting like some great sci-fi action movie, first of all, why? Um,
1: yeah, no. But second
0: of all, please lower your expectations. And the people that are expecting like a so-bad-it's-good Experience should also lower their expectations. Because yeah, it it's kinda, also not quite
2: that either. Right, it
0: kind of lands in this weird middle area where I, it would be like a fun rent with friends, but you'd forget about it a couple days later. It's not a bad movie by any means. I don't really think it's bad. Um, it's corny, of course, and it's not especially thrilling or anything like that. It's a serviceable late-summer action movie. You know, has just caught the zeitgeist kind of of the movie going audience right now because it's one of the only watchable things out right now in a time that like August is usually a really rough month. If you can see it at like a matinee, I don't think you'll hate yourself, but I recommend you just wait for it to come at home. And so you can have a couple beers and laugh at it a little bit. Yeah. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. It's just nothing to blow you out of the water about. Right. Um, Right, there we go. Yeah, there Uh, It's time for us to put our heads above water, guys. I I shouldn't have done back-to-back ones. It's too much. Uh, (laughs) Before we leave this episode of the Middle Seats podcast, Nate, where can they find us on the internet?
1: All right, so here's how you can get in touch with us. Please like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Middle Seats. You can also listen to us on the go on both SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, For any questions, comments, and updates on the show, keep an eye on our Facebook and Twitter, both at The Middle Seats. If you like what you hear and you want to see more content, let us know and spread that word.
0: Be sure to also check out the latest episodes of our spinoff show, Freeze Frame, where we jump back in our time machine and talk about a movie from the past. There are a lot of really good past episodes, and Nate kind of takes the reins of those ones. That's his little baby. Uh, and I'd love for you to listen to those. Our next review, it's hard to pinpoint because we kind of have not been committal of whether we're going to do it every week or every other week. Uh, it'll probably either be Mile 22 or it'll be Happy Time Murders. It'll be something late summer.
2: Oh, God, please, Happy Time Murders.
0: Uh, Jake wants to do Happy Time Murders, so we'll probably end up doing something else because I hate Jake. Um, <laughs> anyway, keep a lookout for that. But that'll do it for this week's episode of the Middle Seats Podcast. For Nate Longarini and for Jake Hensler, I'm Andrew Oj. Keep that seat warm, everybody. We'll be back soon.